Yahweh, you have graced and blessed me with yet another day. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share with my brothers and sisters and anyone who has an ear to let them hear, Father God, to lean in and hear your truth, your knowledge and wisdom, Father. The opportunity to enter your storehouse of treasure yet again, Father. Thank you for this new day that you have made, walked, and guide me in, Father God. You've walked here already. I'll be Yahweh. Ama, Yeshua Ama, Paraklito Sama. Brothers and sisters, so, you know, some things stirring in my mind and the spirit stirring my thoughts. And, um, and something I was listening to and reading uh, yesterday evening. Read a uh, confirmation of what I was listening to and hearing. But of God's creatures, of his creation, things that God has made, he's made us with the brain power, or if you, <laughs> if you may, uh, or if I may, um, the process to pre-plan or to establish a process or or thought agenda at a certain time, you'll see some highly intelligent creatures out there, dolphins, chimpanzees, great apes, and a whole lot more that have a great deal of intellect and much more than what we give them credit for. But man is the one that he gave the ability in our brain to be able to pre-plan. Gets us in a lot of trouble sometimes. Because we, <coughs> pardon me, we go out when we establish these crazy agendas, we pre-plan for so much stuff and then after when it doesn't come true, then we get agitated, we get upset, we get resentful of individuals, we get resentful of things and time and uh, so many things become an annoyance as opposed to a blessing. And it's something that we have done to ourselves. We have slid off that rock, that foundation, slipped into the quagmire and start floundering around. If you've ever watched any of the movies or if you know anything at all about quicksand... And you may have encountered this sometimes at the beach as a kid. You thought it was kind of cool. You go down close to the water, but not out too far. And you start just, you stand in that, in the wet sand, and then you move around. And what happens? You start to sink in. You sink into the sand. You sink farther and farther in. I've been in places where there's, quicksand, the kind like you see in the adventure movies, the old Tarzan movies, you know, where they fall in and then you got to throw them a rope to get out. And there's some places where it's very scary because the quicksand appears to be something it's not. got grass growing on and it appears to be solid patch of ground but if you know the area that you're in you know that you have to be very cautious and not walk headlong into this quagmire because the more you struggle the deeper and faster you sink 
Hmm. Sounds kind of like life. Because when you go headlong into something and you don't have God-focused, you don't have Jesus Christ-centered, and you're not being guided to the Holy Spirit because you think you can do it on your own and you go bolting headlong in, and then you step in the quagmire, and then you flounder around and start getting all agitated and stirred up, and when what happens, you sink deeper in. You cause more problem and you've done it yourself. I've done it myself. And the enemy loves it when we do this sort of thing. When we just go bolting headlong, we can do it ourselves or gets us to think that we don't need to talk to God, but yet the word tells us that we talk to God. He wants to be involved in all things. Everything about what we're doing, he wants to be involved in. He's a good, good father. He likes to help me do my mechanical work. He likes to help me do my electrical work and whatever I'm doing around the house. God likes to be there and he likes it when I talk with him. Even in the smallest things that I'm doing. And I've got this thing called fat finger syndrome where if I get something small or too small, I can't quite get my fingertips into and get it established. I don't have the tools to be able to hold on to it while I'm doing it. I've got to manipulate the other things. And I, I'm talking to God through this thing. And more times than I can even count that he has responded and helped me do something. But the enemy prefers that I get agitated and get annoyed and I start grumbling and griping. And then before you know it, what have I done? I've cussed at it. What's the point in that? Like this inanimate object is going to hear anything I'm saying? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I've seen many folks that do that. They start talking to the object that they're working on instead of talking to God the Father. God likes it when we talk to him. He wants to be established and be a part of everything that we do. Everything that we do. Abba Yahweh. Father, maker of all things made. But that brain power that we have gets us in trouble. And then you have individuals that fall into this versium attitude where I am so smart, I don't need to talk to God. I can do this on my own. Yeah, you go head on. The Bible is full of characters that decided that they could do that. And then, after falling down and busting a grill on a rock or something down there on the ground, they turn and they look up to heaven and they go, Father, should have listened. I should have, should have, should have, should have. Yes, you should have. Yes, we should have. And brothers and sisters, this is a problem that we have all the time. We think that we are in control. We are not in control. And it doesn't matter how little. God likes us to talk to him, likes to center him, and just talk with him. Talk with him. Brothers and sisters, God listens. Our thought process is what gets us in trouble. 99.999% of the time in situations, it's our brain power that gets us in trouble. God likes us to converse with him. You don't have to be in this. You don't have to have a prayer posture every time you talk to God. Prayer posture. You don't have to be walking down the street and throw your hands up in the air to talk to God. You can walk down the street, blending in with everybody else and just talking to him, thinking on him, meditating on him, putting his thoughts in your head, focusing on him while you're going through the day, 
paying attention to the traffic and all such things and watch and be out there, but you can meditate on God and talk with him with your mind and your heart. He's listening. He does listen and he can hear your thoughts. One of the mysterious things about God is that he can hear our thoughts. And he knows, even when we're in the dark and shadow places and think that we're hidden, guess who sees everything? Omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, Abba Yahweh, Father God, maker of all things made. He's there. See, we think way too much. We think that we're hidden from God when we're in a dark place. When you're in a dark bar room, you're over in the dark, sitting in a corner, and you're slamming down hard liquor or drinking a bunch of beer and hanging out with people that you shouldn't hang out with. And, you know, I didn't quite understand it, but my earthly father, and I can't remember exactly who, but somebody else shared this with me when I was quite a bit younger and used the words, you are your environment. And interestingly, the Bible speaks to a similar topic, you know, about people that we should not be around or people that we should be around and establish that company of people that we want to have around us, those that are in a walk with God, those that are of a good report, those that are in prayer, those who are edifying, uplifting, encouraging. And what happens when you hang around with all those folks that are slamming the beers and hanging out in the bar room and, or you're shooting pool and, and uh, not where you should be, like in church? Uh, so you forego church to go to the pool hall and hang out with them. And the course of the conversation most oftentimes turns to complaints, gripings, politics. And then before you know it, somebody's fussing, arguing, and fuming about something. Doesn't always happen that way, and it might not be a fisticuff situation, but somebody will get annoyed with somebody's politics or don't bring up religion. They make that a rule of conversation when you're when you're in a certain group. So, brothers and sisters, we are definitely our environment. We are definitely our environment. And when you have good leadership and you have good persuasive attitude toward the good things and good conversation and conversation of intellect, it stimulates the brain's cells to go in that direction, the thought process to go in that direction as opposed to the other direction. So let me back up here. I'm in I'm in some. And since I brought up what I just did, the book of Psalm, the first chapter. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the... Oh, I'm sorry, I marked through this and I can't see the word. I apologize. Or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I did a bold underline and I marked through part of it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he maintain day and night. Meditate day and night. 
So, brothers and sisters, this is in the first chapter. <laughs> I was over in the 10th chapter. And the Holy Spirit brought me back to this because I had glanced at it, but that we're talking about that. So, basically, what David is saying is what I'm telling you is that we are our environment. It is better that we keep company with those who are of a godly nature, those who are a goodly nature. And when you're around people like that, you want to have your tongue guard. You want to be guarded in your conversation. You, you, it's a, it comes out as a desire and not that, oh, man, here we are. We're, we're getting tissues. I better watch my mouth. No, it isn't like that. For me, it's not like that. And what's really, I've noticed it's really, really becoming a sad, sad thing through my job and that walking on this plane, people just don't care anymore. They have no respect, little to no respect. They will talk any way that they want. They don't care what kind of mixed company they're in or children. I put them on notice and, and they want to argue about it more and cuss louder and more. I say, hey, how about you watch the land? We have women and children in the mix. And you please, very offensive. Ain't that just too weak? And then off they go. There are many that just don't care. They just don't care. Care nothing or very little for their fellow members of the mammalian race. Care little to nothing. And then you'll have so many that are caught up in their pity party of everything that's so wrong in their life. Why should they care about anybody else's life? They haven't sought any way to get out of the situation they're in. They've chosen to make the walk that they're walking. They haven't sought it. Offer them the opportunity. And then there are those that I've had an opportunity to pray over and they have accepted invitations to some of these uh, outfits that go up and down various routings and invite them to a really good church and they provide for them and all and help them. They've accepted and they're trying to change things around. And they get into a better environment because they're hanging out with those who are trying to be a, a good example or a good report. So they are in an established profile that will help them. And instead of considering, as David does here in the eighth chapter, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. By his word, he hung the moon and the stars and everything out there. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. God has blessed him in his walk of life. And David is also acknowledging the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. We actually go through various locations in the Old Testament, <coughs> and there are our encounters with Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing that you have to know and understand because the word tells us it's so. And John speaks about it in the very first chapter of his writing. For in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And from the beginning, the Word was with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light and the light sinneth in darkness, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The minds of men comprehended it not. Jesus Christ came into the world, prophesied in the Old Testament by numerous individuals, Daniel, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, prophesied of the birth coming from a virgin, talked about the star and the birth of a newborn king, but because he didn't come as a reigning warrior king that everybody thought he was going to come, which is what they were established, herein lies another problem. The expectations of mammon. What do we expect? We always try to figure everything out in our mind. Not able to be done, brothers and sisters. We have to be accepting of that. We Things here on this plane of existence we have difficulty figuring out. Case in point, I wonder every day why knuckleheads have to drive at 50 and 60 miles an hour in 25 and 35 mile an hour zones. Why are they driving so recklessly? And why is there such a pursuit of running red lights? They won't even stop at stop signs. Why, why, why? Can't figure it out, so why bother? When you start thinking about it and putting your mindset on that, you just look around and then that slippery slope of complaints gets pretty slick and you're sliding down and then you're finding more and more and more to gripe about. Brothers and sisters, it does no good at all to ponder these idiocies and we're trying to figure things out all the time. We try to figure out about God. We try to figure out about Jesus Christ. We, the Bible talks about the mysteries of God. God works in mysterious ways. And we try to establish a thought about what God intends to do or why would God do that. Just like people that don't understand about hell. Why is God going to put... Over, Put us all in hell. What did we do? And actually what they're doing is they're looking for a focal point for their blame. They want to blame someone. So what's the best thing to do? Blame someone you can't see or isn't here physically that you see, but God is. If you have spiritual eyesight, you can look around and see Abba, Yahweh, and all things. And all things. Just look around, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I, I just looked up, and I see one of my caps that I wear out, and it's got all this beautiful embroidery and things on there. It's uh, My son actually got this for me because of my Native American heritage. It says Native Veteran underneath Marine. Of course, I was a Marine Corps, and it's got some... It's got a medicine wheel and, and the feathers on there, but the feathers are colored so they look like certain service ribbons that were done, that were awarded and given. Happened to be like I wore my uniform, not in the feathers, but in the ribbons. And pondering this, the, the thoughts that got went in that somebody was given the knowledge and the wisdom to be able to put together a machine that allows this sort of thing to be done, and then they make this cap. It's a ball cap. 
My favorite ball cap, actually. Wonder I haven't worn it out yet, but it's it's things like this that I see. That where does this knowledge and wisdom come from? You think people just get up and have a whim? Said I'm going to make a machine that can do this, and they think that that's just happenstance. It's not just happenstance, brothers and sisters. It's not. You have a thought process. The enemy tries to establish a thought process and interfere with white noise interference in our lives constantly. Constantly. He's trying to get us off our beaten path, our pathway that we're walking with and close to God. The closer you get to your walk with God, the harder the enemy tries to push you off. Psalm 15 Who shall dwell, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. And whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that soareth to his own hurt and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. <laughs> So what David's talking about is those that do things that are right and honorable and acceptable to God, our Father. We don't say one thing to, to our neighbor's face and then talk about them behind their back, backbiting. I am constantly surrounded by this, and I can hear it. I don't pay attention to it because I don't want to be caught up in that. And I, I need to pray more about this when I get in and, and don't really have a choice in it, but, you know, shoot out those bullet prayers that I tell you about, those little... Quick prayers are sent out to the Holy Spirit, guard my tongue. The situation you see it, Father, guard my tongue. And then if you have to be in that, then you're there. You're, you're around it, but you don't have to be of it. We are in the world, but not of this world. That's in the Bible. We are here because this is our plane of existence, but we don't have to be of this world. We don't have to go out and take part and the strip joints and the pool halls and hang out and drinking and beer with them. Don't have to do that. When I first stopped drinking, I belonged to a, a, a pool team. We, we shot in a lot of tournaments, and consequently, they were not always in just pool halls. There are some establishments that are just for playing pool. They have a number of tables, snooker tables and all that. And there's no alcohol allowed. Why? Because you get the boneheads who will eventually get around to setting their bottles on the unprotected tabletop, which any real pool player, you don't do that. You had to take care of your equipment. <clears throat> so consequently, sometimes we would end up in a bar club, but I had, I had stopped drinking. And here's, I'll share this with you. I, I'm an alcoholic, brothers and sisters. When I first got out of the military and involved with a lot of things that were going on, and, and uh, I used to drink just to get drunk, my drug of choice was alcohol. And I thought that that was better than doing cocaine or heroin or some of the things that my other uh, military brothers and sisters did when they got done doing what they were doing. I, my escape was alcohol. It's a drug. 
and I would dive to the bottom of the bottle and hang out down there just to get drunk. And I wasn't a very nice drunk. Sometimes I'd be in a place I would find somebody just to start an argument and try to... I, I believe what so many people, instead of looking to God and being in with God and, and talking with him, I believe what Mammon was telling me. I was taking my validation of my life from them and condemning everything that I had done. You see, I came from a different generation of, of Marines, service members. When I came back, there were times I was going to the airport. I had people that had actually gone into the garbage can and found something nasty that they could throw at me. I've had people spit on me while I was going through an airport terminal. Why? Because I was wearing my uniform. And you see these, <laughs> I see these things all the time. These GIs are out there and they're wearing their utility uniform and, and I was wearing a dress uniform, but they throw this trash on me. Now I guess I understand why they wear their utility work uniform. But brothers and sisters, here's the other thing that we must remember and get established in our mindset as well as our heart. God does not require perfection from any of us. And God knows, he does know that we are in a dark place and until he who is perfect has come, it will continue to be dark and broken. But we must shine the light. What is that light? The reflective light of Jesus Christ, who is the only begotten Son of God. And my faith tells me that what the Bible says is true. My faith tells me that Jesus Christ will keep his promises because as he told the disciples, he used nearly the exact same thing that God said to Joshua, Joshua 1.9. And why do you suppose that is? Because Jesus Christ is of the Father, came to this plane of existence to be with us, and he is the word that was made flesh. He has his hand in all of creation. He is the only begotten son of God. And we need to just stop trying to figure this out, the mystery of God. How is it that the three, the triune spirit, people sit here and try to figure that out. Why? Why are you trying to figure it out? Have faith. Why is it that man has to have an answer for everything that is out there and has to try to establish as his ideas and his understanding. God, Jesus Christ, gives us peace that passeth all understanding. It's available to us. All we have to do is put our thoughts toward focusing on the word of God, God's promises, and be established there. Life doesn't have to be a constant turmoil. Although, because we are human, we are of this mammalian race, we are of this plane of existence, we do tend to allow the turmoil and the hustle and bustle and tussle around us to drive our reactions and thoughts. But we need to focus and stay centered on God. Dr. Jamie was sharing that this past Sunday. That's my lead pastor. God bless him, and we need to pray for our pastors. They are in a tough place, especially those that have a true compassionate heart and are following the will of God. Their heart, they want to uplift. <clears throat> they do baptisms, marriages. They also preside over funerals. And they see families that are destroyed because of things that happen within them and they come to them for counseling and it's a hard thing brothers and sisters it's a hard place to be to listen to these broken relationships or these hurting relationships those painful relationships or these beautiful relationships and they're mixed they get stirred in this big 
bowl and it's it's a difficult place to be. So our pastors need our prayers and prayers are the best thing that we can give. Why is it that we always try to establish a unnecessary that you have to have just the right thing to say in a situation? That, that's not necessary. Prayer. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you every single day. I share with you from the gospel, the word of God, because the word of God is a way, the truth, it's a light. And that is also Jesus Christ, our Lord, the opportunity to say, I will, I do, let's go. I will follow Jesus Christ's teachings. I will read the Bible. I do have faith in you, Father God. Let's go down this road. I trust that the detour in the road is the established road. You have me on detour for a reason. And brothers and sisters, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Aman, Aman. God is praiseworthy, brothers and sisters. That staff that the shepherd carries is not to poke and prod the sheep as many ill-informed, misinformed individuals talked about. And like the little story of Mary had a little lamb and she was walking around and had this long pole with, a, with that big open hook on the end of it. Well, brothers and sisters, guess what? That wasn't for what many naysayers or ill-informed people, that was to rescue. If the sheep would sometimes get caught up in brush and you couldn't get to them, you would put the staff in there and put it behind their forelegs and pull them. Or you could, if they fell down a ravine, you could help them and guide them up. There were a lot of things that could be done with that. That staff was not ever to poke, prod, or bash the sheep to get them to go in a direction. You didn't have to do that. Unlike with cattle and other animals where you have to kind of prod them to get them to go to the direction. And people talk about how stupid sheep are. Well, they just don't like a lot of things and they don't have, they're not as maybe as sensible as some other animals in relationship if you can say that they have sense. But they know their shepherd's voice. They hear the words and they're guided out. Now, when you have a sheepfold and you have this, uh, you get this notion when the, when the shepherd was walking on the walls and I, and I learned this from some shepherd friends, actually, oh, acquaintances, uh, really good acquaintances, and they shared this thing. When, and there were four of them that usually traveled together and it was open grazing area and they, they all had their flocks and when they came out to certain areas and they were going to be gone for days at a time, they would come to this area and all the sheep would go in this fold. There was no swinging gate. There wasn't any hinged doors, anything like that. Those were, those were established in the Western, uh, mostly in the Western movies and um, in the Western big ranches with the horses and cattle and other animals, but not with sheep. They didn't have anything. They had a rope cord that was drawn across at about chest height for the sheep. And the shepherd, they would take turns, the four of them traveling together. And when the shepherd was alone, he would sleep across the opening and the sheep wouldn't go past their shepherd. 
And he was guarding that so that nothing, no sheep would exit and none of the wild animals would come in to bother or take any of the ewes or the youngs, young sheep and devour them. There were wild animals that would come and do that. And Shepherd was usually a pretty late sleeper, would get good rest, but usually slept lightly. And they would take turns across that opening. But what was really fascinating is when they shared that when they got ready to leave, that they would take turns in going in and they would call the sheep out. One of them had a special whistle and and um, the sheep learned that that was his whistle. But they knew their shepherd's voice. They heard their shepherd's voice. They never had a problem with mixing one of the sheep and somebody else's flock. They knew their shepherd's voice and they went with their shepherd. And they stayed with their shepherd. And many times they were going in the same direction and they were sharing the same fields and the pastures, grazing land, and they were traveling together and once in a while they would separate, but they never had a mix-up. The word of God established that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. And if we are listening, we will hear our shepherd's voice. My sheep know my voice. And brothers and sisters, we will hear the Holy Spirit calling to us, talking to us when we get into certain situations. And I pray sometime because the enemy knows our weaknesses, brothers and sisters. The enemy knows that. See, unlike some that are claiming to be Christians saying, oh, what do we want to know about the devil and all that? No, 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 that's, that's not good. That's glorifying Satan. That's glorifying the devil. That's glorifying him. We need to focus on God. Let's not, no, let's not talk about the enemy. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? The enemy pays attention to us all the time constantly paying attention to us. He sends his minions against us. We are so trivial, actually, in his pursuit that he doesn't come himself. He went to Jesus himself because Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he said, I'm going to go take care of this myself. He's much too important for any of you to handle. And yet, Jesus Christ rebuked Satan and then wrested the keys from him. Yes, that's the power and authority of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, who came to this earth as one of us. Holy man and holy God. What is the mystery in that? There is a mystery in that. And yet, there are those that will try to figure it out because it has to be established in their mind's eyes so that they understand it. Brothers and sisters, this is where faith comes from. You have this term that was uh, established some long while ago, blind faith. You don't have to have everything written down in black and white. You don't have to see it in front of your face in order to believe and follow. The contract that God put down for me to sign with that pen that had Jesus' blood as the ink to sign that paper because of my faith in him and what he did for me and what he continues to do for me and my faith and my Father God, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things made, I signed a blank. I don't have to see the clauses, the wherefores, where tos, and thus, and thus, and thus. It doesn't matter. That's Lord, my God, my Father. Blind faith that God is going to be with me wherever I go, whatever I do. And I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me in my walk in life. And I talk to God. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And he will do that thing for you, but you have to lean in. You have to lean in and have that spiritual hearing. And it's not misspeaking when he tells me that I am in his own. God is love, which means that he has so much love that he can tell every single one of us 
that we are his own. And we are. We are his established. We are his creation. We are his love. And we are why Jesus Christ came. Because of his love. And then you're going to have those that, oh, why would he do that? That's just a blah, 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 blah. And then it sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. If anybody has seen Charlie Brown, any of his stories, he used to watch him younger. Wah, 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 You have no words. You just have noise. And that's what they get. They're just producing noise. They're talking and trying to establish in their thought process, why would God do anything? Why do you question what God would do? First of all, it's none of your business because he is Father God, maker of all things made. If he chooses to share with you that information, he will. And sometimes he does. Not because necessarily you're nagging and asking him about it, but because he wants to establish that relationship and have you understand what's going on. And that does happen sometimes. But God does not owe us a thing. We owe him so much and we owe Jesus Christ who died for us so that we would have an opportunity not to perish. And he did that for us. We owe him more than we can ever, ever imagine to pay back. There's nothing that we can do, no amount of money that we can save up in in a hundred lifetimes in order to repay that. He stepped off his throne, set down his crown, and came to this earth, born of a woman, slept in a stable manger. He slept in a manger. The manger is a feeding trough. And here's the other thing. People wrap their heads around this and they try. They get it all misconstrued. Oh, the manger's where they were sleeping. No, it's not where they were sleeping. They were sleeping in a stable. Jesus Christ was laying in a manger. <clears throat> the manger's a feeding trough. It's what they would put the fresh hay in or the feed for the animals so that they didn't have to eat it off the floor. They cared about their animals, actually. But here's the thing in that place, and this is faith, that you had three men in particular that were of a royal ancestry, royal lineage, and they believed there are charts of the heavens that they read. They were learned men, the Magi, Magi, however you want to pronounce it. But they came, three of them traveling together, one bearing frankincense, one bearing myrrh, and the other bearing gold. And they came because they believed in the words of the prophets that the Son of Man had come to be born in this place and they would find him lying in a manger in a stable in a town called Bethlehem underneath a bright, shining star, a new star. And they read these star charts and there appeared at a certain time this star in the heavens and they followed their charts they believed the words of the prophets that this was the newborn king. They came, they came into this lowly place, this stable. And when they saw him, they knelt down and they bowed to the newborn king, lying in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. They took off their crowns, they bowed their heads, and they set the gifts, expensive gifts. They didn't know what to bring, but they brought this in homage to the newborn king, the son of God, the savior of the world, who was rejected of man. 
That's pretty powerful, and that's faith, brothers and sisters. These men were educated, learned men. They had faith. They believed what was said. And there were others that were learned men who did not have faith. And they turned away. And they took this man. They put him on that cross. Made him walk to the place that he was crucified. They rebuked him, rejected him. And yet, in his love and compassion, when he hung on that tree, dying before his last dying breath, that he gave up the spirit. I have to remember this too, brothers and sisters. It wasn't taken from him. He gave it up. He looked up with tear-filled eyes. I believe that he was weeping. He was so sad. But yet, he looked up before he died. My God, my Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he died. But on the third day, as he said, and they didn't understand it when he said the temple will be raised, will be torn down, but will be rebuilt in three days. Didn't get it. That analogy didn't make any sense to them because they tried to figure it out in their mammalian brains, which we do often and can't figure out what he's talking about. Take him out his word. It's good word. And there were individuals there that knew his authority. Roman centurion in charge looked up and said, truly he was the son of God. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. And I pray for you on my going out, my coming in as I always do every day. You have a blessed day. Have a good day. Be encouraged. Be upright. Be guarded of the company that you keep. And brothers and sisters, if some of those so-called friends are just really good acquaintances that you may have known for a while and are not really good for you to be around, then just walk away. You don't have to stay. Your best friend Jesus Christ, God, your Father, and the Holy Spirit, guide your steps. Pray about it. Pray about it. The Holy Spirit will guide you to where you should be going. And if you need some new friends, they will come along. But don't push the issue. Don't force the issue. God will deliver when God will deliver. His timing is so important, and it's the most vital time. doesn't have to be according to our time. Be blessed, have a great day, love you, pray for you, and have a great, great day. It's going to be a little chilly out there for some of you in this area.